Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome back to the Modern Day Rebels podcast. I'm your host, Julia Frank, and every other week I sit down with a modern day rebel who actively challenges the conventional. This podcast is where we demystify terms and topics you might be familiar with but never had the chance to dive into, and where we answer the questions we didn't know to ask. Have you ever wondered what really happens behind the scenes of a successful business? That's what Fiona, founder of She Can She Did, set out to find out. In this episode, we chat about how overnight success is a myth and why after three years in business, Fiona finds herself being back at day one. So let's dive into this episode. Well, thanks so much for you for being on the podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm genuinely, I've had my coffee, I'm good to go. To start us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I run a company called She Can, She Did, which has basically been going for three years, but I feel like we've almost gone back to day one in a good way because about six weeks ago, we launched the UK's first benefits program for all female business owners in the UK. That's basically been born out of the past three years of what I like to look back on now as groundwork for this new business. So obviously you've been here for quite a lot of the journey. I think you came to some of the early mingles. So I know that we've kind of kept in touch, which is lovely. And now I just kind of feel like the past six weeks, it's game on. And we'll kind of dive into more about She Can, She Did. But before we get started, why do you consider yourself a modern day rebel? Or why might someone else consider you one? Does anyone actually say after you ask that question, I am a yes. No, I, I don't get anyone who says that. But there's reasons or ways in which I define you as a rebel. Yeah, kind of going against the grain of society and doing things on your own. But no, I have not had a single person yet in two seasons go. Yes, I am a rebel. <laughs> I mean, why would people think maybe I am? Do you know what it is? I would never, yeah, describe myself as a modern day rebel. But I do love everything that that phrase stands for. I think for me, I'm really comfortable in just not having to jump on every trend. I'm quite happy, you know, whether it was, you know, the whole work your way up in the corporate world, you know, get the proper job, earn the money, get the house, you know, that that route in life. I was, you know, was happy to walk away from that and kind of dive in with pretty much nothing to start She Can, She Did. Or whether it's now just not feeling the need to kind of jump on the trends that sometimes do work, but don't necessarily align with what I agree with. And and just really kind of being quite comfortable in saying, actually, I don't want to do that. There's there's different different ways I'd say it. But I think in general, it boils down to the fact that if I don't feel like something aligns with me, even if there's pressure to do that thing, I'm quite happy to just take the hit and just ride it out. And um, yeah, not not necessarily follow yeah follow every single trend and you know what it is I was thinking about it earlier my parents both launched their own businesses when I was about 10 and my lifestyle when I was a teenager changed quite a lot from my primary school years you know money went overnight they were so much happier for launching their businesses but everything that kind of came with launching a business in terms of the sacrifices you know we didn't go on holidays all the material things I just I didn't get as a as a child I didn't really in primary school to be honest mum and dad were quite like strict like that but in the teenage years especially when trends become really you know a thing if you're in you know secondary school I remember you know my best friends in school they'd get new pairs of shoes and then give them to me after they were bored of them and it was things like that where I got so used to just not 
needing to fit in in that way. I remember everyone wore Jack Wills at one stage and just wanting to own a Jack Wills hoodie so badly because they were so in fashion, but then not and realising that, you know, life still moves on. You don't have to kind of have what everyone has to be happy. And I think that's really kind of stood me in good stead. I'm really grateful to mum and dad for that whole experience. And it sounds so silly because it's quite trivial. Oh, the girl didn't get a hoodie. But I think in terms of now, I apply it to things like if there's a new trend in business that everyone jumps on, if it doesn't align with me, I'm quite happy to be like, kind of keep focused on what I feel like I need to do for She Can, She Did to succeed and then just kind of roll roll with it. So take us back to, to 2017, kind of when you walked away and you were kind of happy to kind of not follow that traditional path. So how did it all start? Yeah, so I, I think I'll caveat it with the fact that when I was in my corporate job, I literally loved it. And I was and up until the, the last bit, but I very much loved having that really amazing paycheck for my age. It took me around the world. It gave me so much responsibility, that job, and I'm so grateful for it. And I loved the team I work with. I'm still in contact with them now. But towards the end, it basically boiled down to I'd been promoted twice when I was there, but in a short space of time. And I remember looking at women, you know, 10 years my senior in the company and just thinking like, am I passionate about this job? Like ultimately, I used to produce finance conferences and the day-to-day reality, whilst it did kind of have so many perks to the job, the day-to-day reality was researching the FX market specifically, going off to Canary Wharf, interviewing the traders, the bankers, finding out what their challenges were putting a conference agenda on the back of that, getting the speakers on board, and then project managing, sponsorship, marketing, ops, et cetera, et cetera, to produce a conference that would make a whole lot of money, basically, and address all those challenges. And so the whilst it gave me the kind of lifestyle that for a 21 to a 25-year-old meant that on Instagram, say, was super, super glamorous. It didn't make me happy. There was so much, you know, there was the 5.30 alarm. There was a really expensive commute. There was researching a topic that I genuinely am grateful for it for kind of just life skills I suppose but I I wasn't passionate about my career and I remember just thinking if I stick in this then do I want the kind of lifestyle that the people you know 10-15 years down the line have no I don't and if I keep waiting this paycheck and these perks are going to become harder and harder to walk away from and that was also at a time where I'd started to notice more and more young women on platforms like Instagram launching their own businesses, or they started to pop up more. Because at the time, I remember thinking, if you'd asked me in 2017 to name a young female founder, I would have just been able to say women like, you know, Chrissy Rucker, Joe Malone, Holly Tucker. That was that was it. And they were all much older. And there were all of these titles I remember starting to kind of come across in magazines. There's always one that I reference. It was an L article, 23 women under the age of 30 bossing life. And there were some, you know, younger women my age. And I remember reading about them being like, oh my God, they're amazing. How have they done it this young? Firstly, like, you know, without the kind of corporate experience, et cetera, et cetera. And also, why aren't any of these articles referencing the realities? Because having seen what mum and dad have gone through and just general common sense, it was not as easy and as glamorous as these articles were coming across. And it was definitely not as easy as the kind of glossy images I was seeing on 
social media you know and it was that girl boss the girl boss momentum and the hype was starting to build at the time and it basically boiled down to to get to your question just to kind of realizing I'm not happy in my job I've always known I wanted to launch a business I always thought I'd do it much later but having seen these women doing it I admire them I want to launch a business don't know what that's going to be but I do know that I'm not happy with how it's being portrayed so why don't I just take the hit and reach out to these women and see if they'd be you know happy to open up to me about absolutely everything they've been through genuinely I'll share them their stories in full for women like me that want to launch a business but have no idea how but also for current female founders to kind of remind them that challenges en route are so unbelievably normal and just see where it goes and I should caveat it again with the fact that for the last six months that I was at my old company I had started everything was kind of building up it was starting to take its toll so it was six months of kind of building up of I'm not happy here I haven't worked this hard to feel this way about my job and then basically an email came through when I was out in Boston for a conference so I woke up in the hotel room day after the event checked my phone read an email and was just like it was one of those kind of I'm done and I screenshotted it sent it to my sister and she just replied straight away being like just quit feet I know you'll figure it out like you shouldn't feel this unhappy about a job and it was literally like that was that worked my three months notice didn't prep at all in kind of denial and I wasn't really talking about what I was going to do because I hadn't really figured it out I just knew it was going to be some interviews and we'll see where it goes but I think the thing that I always knew was if I was going to do this I trusted myself to make it work and that to this day anytime a challenge crops up I always trust myself that it'll figure itself out It's an interesting one because, as you mentioned, you know, you kind of got your two promotions and then looked into the future and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I don't actually see myself having that lifestyle or I don't necessarily want that lifestyle. And I think in a lot of ways, a lot of people don't take that step and kind of just chase the next promotion and get to that point. So it's really cool that you've kind of had that moment beforehand being like, well, it's kind of now or never because otherwise I'm going to get kind of sucked into it all. It is also really courageous, I find, to not have an idea, really, just to be like, I want to be a business owner. I want this lifestyle. That's my end goal. But I'm just gonna gonna quit. I did a little bit of a of a in- Instagram stock um, before this interview and went back to your original post of like, you know, here's a little idea I had. Here she can, she did. So it started with interviews, right? Your whole kind of mission was to highlight the the roller coaster, the behind the scenes, the really honest review, and then kind of how did that take you to redefining networking events for women so essentially it was about I started in August of 2017 and I literally threw everything I had a little rusty old Corsa and drove around the UK and I put my phone on record would go out for coffee I was always adamant I wanted the interviews in person because I just think that you get so I mean this year's changed that quite a lot but I think you get so much out of meeting someone and having a proper conversation so I did that and it was literally I packed my diary and then I was typing them so for seven days a week for the first four months I was literally just at my I'd go out, interview wherever it was in the country, come back, type it up, which would take about seven, eight hours. Such a a waste of time. But then share those interviews. And I shared two a week for the first couple of months. And then I remember my parents just being like, you know, you need to stop this. Like, you do not need to be sharing 
two giant interviews because they were an hour, an hour and a half chat. Like we really went into depth with everything instead of just sending, you know, a Q&A via email. Essentially, I started to understand the audience more. So she can, she did. Thankfully, the women that I was interviewing were sharing the stories because they had their whole story in full and without asking they just naturally just shared them so she kind of did started gaining this audience and I just realized and I was obviously doing more research and realized that the two main reasons holding young women back specifically from launching a business were a lack of role models their age to aspire to and a lack of unintimidating networking opportunities and it was the unintimidating bit that really resonated with me because I'd come from a corporate conference background where especially in the FX market I was you know a 21 22 year old woman walking into a room of 300 men in suits and it was my job to navigate that room and make sure that you know the keynote speakers were doing what they had to do etc etc and make sure everyone was happy so I I understood what intimidating networking really felt like and the whole swapping business cards shaking hands etc etc stuffiness basically and so I remember in the January of 2018 going and pitching to big corporate sponsors this and I literally I just actually like I just can't even deal with myself looking back I remember I'd still I hadn't been working with Maddie yet who's designed everything since and I had a little logo that I'd created in paint or word and I printed it out onto an A4 piece of paper and with like this sponsorship partnership package that I'd stapled in the corner and put in a plastic wallet and I went and took that to HSBC and other big brands and pitched this she can she did live conference and I remember HSB specifically my money was starting to run out at this point and I'd booked a train to Birmingham took my best friend from uni with me because she had some like sales experience and I just thought like maybe the two of us could bounce off each other And I remember being like, oh, my God, this train is expensive, but it's HSBC. Like if they sponsor it, it'd be amazing. And we went up there and sat down with a woman. She was so lovely, but she was just like, so how many events have you done so far? And I said, none with She Can She Dear, but I used to do all of this stuff. And she said, so you haven't proven that you can get one bum on a seat yet. And I was like, no. And she was like, well, you need to do that before we even consider any of this and like in hindsight now of course that's the case but I was so convinced that like why wouldn't they sponsor this you know why wouldn't they trust me I had four months of interviews behind me you know why wouldn't they give me their money and so basically it went back to the drawing board of like how can we get these events off the ground without budget and it boiled down to just I remember sitting with Brogan in her flat in London and just being like okay we need to do it on smaller scale but I can't I don't want to compromise on the like quirkiness that I was after and like the genuinely like I wanted the women that came to the events to feel really special and looked after so that's where the midweek mingles were born even the name I remember pitching it to the sponsors after and they were like mingles and I was like yay like that's just the whole part of it I was just super passionate about from start to finish it had to just make them you know, know that they're going to be safe and have fun. Midweek mingles, evening events, and literally just value exchanges from everything from the venue, photographer, videographer, brands that sent goodie bag things, the gin company. They just backed this and I tried to help them out in whatever way I could, whether it was interviewing the videographer or sharing the venue for women that were interested in hosting their own events. Everything boiled down to just trying to do as many value exchanges as possible. London launched in April 2018, the first midweek mingle, and that sold out in 48 hours. And then I did three ad hoc 
events in London just kind of there was no structure there it was sort of like okay that worked well let's see if I can find another venue and do the whole thing again and then after three sold out events that's when I took it to zero the accounting software app and with three behind me with some stats to show that's when I got the first sponsorship and that's what allowed me to take it on the roadshows because from day one of She Can She Did I never ever wanted it to be London centric like I as someone that when I left London I moved back home when I was working in London to be able to save up for my flats and I remember everyone in the office being like you're leaving London fee are you serious like why would you do that like we laugh about it now because I, I just am so passionate about the fact that you do not need to be based in the city to run a successful business. And so I think people are realizing that more and more now. One of the few benefits of a global pandemic is people are realizing that location is actually not the be all end all. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a thing. And so it just really made me think from day one of She Can, She Did, I want to cover as much of the UK as possible. And so, yeah, Zero came on board and we went to Bristol, Brighton, Manchester and London within about three and a half weeks in the closing So you were months. touring at this point? Yeah, I was <laughs> like a rock star. <laughs> Road trip. So that was, that's how it started. And then 2019, we just did consecutive roadshows. So three a quarter and we've done 20 mingles now, seven cities. So yeah, that's how it like picked up. I think it's interesting because actually when you read your story from the outside, there are little bits of like, oh, she's an overnight success, right? Because when you mentioned like, oh, we launched the first mingle, it sold out within 48 hours. But in terms of timeline, at the very start of this podcast, you said, you know, you're three years in, but actually you kind of feel like you're back at day one. So how are you back at, or how and why are you back at day one? I think so basically my ambition for She Can, She Did very quickly, as soon as I jumped in, I was in back even in August 2017. I didn't know what the end goal looked like, but I knew that I wanted it to make a difference. And and because I was interviewing female founders about their challenges specifically and like their honest stories, they were really opening up. And I am so grateful because the women I've interviewed, yourself included, have genuinely opened up to me and have been amazing. And there were recurring challenges crop up in every single interview that echoed my own experiences having walked away from the corporate job as well. And it basically boiled down to that lack of security until you are financially secure, until your business is absolutely smashing it. Financially, it's tough. You have to make sacrifices. And that also hits you at a time where you're working harder than ever before. You are putting your pride on the line because you are saying, I'm launching this thing, got nothing to show for myself. And that's a genuinely like a a really gutsy thing to do that I think deserves to be rewarded. And so all of these things are kind of cropping up. And about 10 months in the idea for what we launched in September popped into my head. And because of the scale of it, and my ambition for it in the sense that I wanted it to reach all female business owners in the UK, and then obviously me being me, then be global, blah, blah, blah. But I'd basically for the past two years been trying to get investment and meet meet angel investors, don't have any contacts. So just really in any kind of spare time around the podcast and the, the Mingle Roadshows, just follow leads. So my ambition for it was obviously to be huge and have the budgets to play with. And I've obviously, you know, my story the past, even though we've had sponsorship and stuff, everything's kind of gone back into the business, do the next roadshow, blah, blah, blah. So the past three years, I've pretty much been broke or close to with varying 
good months dotted in there. But then essentially, start of 2020, I decided this year, enough is enough. I have to get the benefits program off the ground this year. I'm the sort of person that if I set my mind to something, I just want to make it happen. And I think the investment thing really, to me, was challenging because they obviously wanted forecasts and valuations and predictions and big spreadsheets, et cetera, et cetera. And I work best on a very kind of like, right, this is my idea. How do we make it happen? Scrappy, scrappy, let's go. But because of the scale of it, I just thought, let's play it by the book. People are saying that if I need to get investment, I need to do X, Y, Z. And so 2020 started and I thought, right, okay, I'm going to do everything I can, but I need focus. So I guess in the same way that I left my corporate career to just focus on She Can, She Did, I decided I'd do one roadshow in March to get some money and then I would focus everything, take the hit financially and focus on getting the benefits program invested, to get investment basically. And then I'd been speaking to a female investor since January. Everything was looking good. Obviously March happened, had to cancel the roadshows. I managed to get London in. So I got one sponsorship payment from the sponsor, but then missed out on two sponsorship checks, had to refund all the tickets for the Brighton and Cardiff mingles. So the plan to have some money in the bank didn't go to plan. And then in April, the female investor pulled out of the discussions, but she was amazing. And she basically said, we're in the middle of a pandemic, just do what you can to get this off the ground. And it was a bit bit like what my sister said back in, you know, the Boston conference room, like, I trust you, you'll figure it out. This lady was just like, just do it, you'll make it happen. And I remember just getting off that call and just being like, I am interviewing at the time, I should probably say I was doing a daily podcast series called We Can, We Will, that was highlighting how female founders at Omaya were pivoting because of the pandemic to show that we will get through this. So every day, Literally, I was hearing these stories about how everyone was just changing their business models and taking these big leaps of faith and just doing all of these amazing things to survive. And I just remember thinking, coming off that call with the investors, just being like, oh my God, I am skimp right now, but there must be a way to get this off the ground because female business owners need more support now more than ever. And literally, it basically had about two grand in the bank, two and a half grand. Bearing in mind, I was looking at raising about 150K, two and a half grand and three women that I knew had been lined up to help you know if I got investment they would support it basically and they'd be paid and off we went and I ended up ringing the team at Seed Legals and just finding out what share options like if I couldn't pay them how could I support them in some way and basically I had a chat a really open chat and that's what 2020 has been so amazing for all of these really frank conversations with the girls and they thankfully accepted this the share options and we also have a payback plan in place but we basically have worked our arse off for the past six months to launch in September on a shoestring and so when I say going back to your question why it feels like day one of the business because it's been so scrappy and it's just been six months of zoom calls trying to get the platform to work the way obviously we wanted to like my vision for it when the investment was in the platform would be a lot slicker and all of this but it's just been forced to go back to just yeah the scrappy startup stage and I think you sometimes get caught up in this like the ideals because you see these amazing businesses they're the ones you admire right but they've also had shitloads of funding or have you know 15 years down the line and it was just really going back to the fact that how do we get this off the ground with what we have 
and just launch it. And I think that the reason it feels like back to day one is because it felt like putting my pride on the line again. It felt like working silly hours to just try and get it off the ground as soon as we could. The whole launch thing, you know, I've had this in my head for well, since June of 2018. So to me, from the minute that idea popped into my head in June of 2018, that has been my end goal in the sense that like, that's what I wanted She Can, She Did to become. So even though it didn't launch for another two years and three or three months, whatever it is, that's what I mean about the kind of groundwork. That was what was keeping me going. So even though we did the mingles and the podcast and there was money coming in from a business perspective it wasn't the business I wanted to run so it was like all research to me if that makes sense so now it just feels like I've suddenly got this business and it's now you know the work needs to start now to get it off the ground and actually Julia what I would say is that I didn't expect the burnout that happened about two weeks after the launch because I think I've been working my ass off for three years and obviously the pandemic and I'm so aware that this year has been so tough on everyone so I, I don't want to moan at all and I don't want it to come across like that but the work that went into just getting the benefits off the ground was a, a lot and then I almost forgot that once it launched that's when the hard work happens and I didn't have any reserves left. I just crashed. And, and that was the first time where I've really felt burn, like burnout. And my family and friends stepped in and the, and the team as well. And they were just like, just, you know, you need to look after yourself. And I've always been quite good at that. But I think I'd ignored it. And then there was no reserves left, basically. But in, and now I took the rest. And now I'm like, okay, game on, let's go. The reason I asked that is because I think it's really interesting because I feel like to some extent we still have this kind of linear expectation. You know, you see that that stupid hockey graph, you know, where it's like, well, in the first couple of years, you just scrap together and then like exponential growth. And this whole day one is I feel like I've had this with running my business is like there's so many moments where I'm like, oh, we're, we're back at day one. And obviously everything kind of adds up. You've built the audience. You've done three years of user research at the end of the day of, of really figuring out the pain points. But it does feel like, you know, there's this expectation of like, well, I'm four years in now and this is now perfectly working. And it actually does not happen that way. It can, but it doesn't necessarily happen that way. So with the launch and with having this all kind of come together, you mentioned something which really deeply resonated with me. And I think with a lot of other women as well, because it got reshared on Instagram quite a bit of this whole still secretly hoping for it to be an overnight success. So if you want to talk a little bit more about that of launching, I know you had a little bit of a delay with the launch, and then you already have quite a big, loyal, engaged audience. Do you know what it is? Is that I should have known better, really, because I started She Can, She Did initially to like debunk that girl boss myth because it just that overnight success isn't a reality anyone that says it is is preying on vulnerability in my opinion it's not true and anyone that is set out to really make a difference or is purpose-driven that takes time no matter what it is the underlying motivation and sentiment from day one of she can she did has been it's not going to be easy she can she did here to support you when it's not basically but Still, I think there's so much noise online. And I always think I've never bought into the, in order to be a successful business owner, you must share all the details of your personal life. Everyone needs to know everything about you, et cetera, et cetera. So 
I've also from day one of She Can, She Did made a really conscious decision that I wouldn't, you know, have my own personal account live because I I have always been qu- quite private about like that kind of thing. And so I didn't want to ever kind of confuse the boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. But I also am very aware that that helps. But I think that even though the mission with She Can, She Did has always been to provide those honest stories, I think She Can, She Did would have been more successful had I done everything that I don't agree with, i.e. spend hours online, hours and hours on Instagram, jumping on all the different trends that you're supposed to do, which I do think there's a lot of benefit in them. But like really opening up about me and like letting people in and all of that kind of thing, shouting so much louder about She Can, She Did's mission I think is you know that's something that I I could have that's that's not something I don't agree with by the way that's something I just could have done better but there's all of these different things that I don't necessarily agree with but they work but I think what you have to be careful with is what at what cost they work in the sense that for me when I observe some people's success I think at what cost it coming with i.e you know in terms of spending so long on instagram you know the mental health side of things that comparison culture side of things all of those different things it's like at what cost basically and i've i don't know but i think for me when it came to the launch of of the benefits program i have been pretty much silent on instagram all summer just getting my head down to build it and Obviously, for a launch to do well nowadays, you have to be online shouting about it and kind of really building that momentum. But the work that it needed to get done, I needed to be on hundreds of Zoom calls and meetings to get all the brands on board and building the platform and really making sure that we or having these discussions as a team to make sure that we were thinking about the long term vision and inclusivity and everything that. I personally felt that I didn't have the energy to then also talk about the fact that I was jumping on another Zoom call for this idea that I couldn't share yet, if that makes sense. So there was all of this stuff that I think would have helped She Can, She Did had I played by the rule book that is the overnight success girl bossy kind of rule book of how to launch a business. And so anyway, to get to the point, you know, you see all of these stories about people launching and it's immediately sold out or thousands of people sign up straight away and it's really hard because you see them and you're like god that's that would be amazing like and when you believe in something the way that I genuinely believe in especially for the price of what she can she did is the value and the support that you get from it you kind of let yourself believe in those like wouldn't it be amazing if and especially as I've spent the past two years thinking that we'd have all this, this this money behind that I'd never had, you know, this investment money. And I, I hadn't managed my expectations for the fact that we were actually launching on a shoestring and I'd been silent on Instagram for about three, four months. And so basically when it launched, it was just the reality. And that was that we didn't have thousands upon thousands. There's 1.7 million self-employed women in the UK. And we had just over 100 sign up in the first 24 hours. And you just kind of think like, It was just a shock to the system. But then it was also after a few days of being like, oh, okay, uh, that hurts. 
But then you just have to just take that reality step back and be like, well, firstly, I've just spent three years interviewing women that have said that it's their launch isn't going to be easy. So why would mine be? I actively purposefully chose not to go down and as a team in terms of marketing strategies we're in the middle of a pandemic like there's so much going on the economy's really tough I do not agree with some marketing tactics and we've made a conscious decision not to do certain things uh, where it like limits you know the availability I wanted it to make sure that all, all female business owners know it's available to them and just I think just giving giving myself a break as well like as a team we've done such a good job we should be proud of it but you're just trying to navigate all of that and then now in hindsight I'm bloody proud of us the reason I opened up about it is because I was having all these women saying god you're smashing it you're smashing it and and it doesn't sit well with me people were thinking it was doing so much better I say in inverted commas because of like numbers what whatever you equate to a measure of success but I was thinking that people were thinking that there were thousands of people joining this thing and then suddenly financially I was smashing it and I just it didn't I had to say something because I just felt like even though I hadn't ever given that impression myself clearly there was this thing because Instagram makes you believe people are doing so much better than you think and I did not want people to think that which she can she did because it just defeats everything I've just tried to say for the past three years so I just opened up about it and just really tried to make people realize that even though you might have x number of followers it doesn't always mean that you have this instant success thing and also I I, I can pinpoint why certain things have played out they have but then I also going back to that rebel thing that I said earlier you know there's certain things that I was happy to take the hit and be off Instagram for a bit because I needed to get the job done and to me the job getting done properly and getting the right brands on board and having those conversations and the amount of time we spent as a team really thinking about the long-term vision that was where I wanted to focus my energy and I just know given how burnt out I was two weeks in I know that had I pushed myself even more to kind of just put content out there for content's sake by saying showing up on Instagram for the sake of showing up I just don't think I would have been able to do it. I didn't want to do it as well. You know, you've just got to do what you've got to do. And actually, I'm really happy in hindsight that we've had the numbers that we've had because it's allowed us to really hone in on who our audience are. And, you know, the newsletter that goes out, the people that respond, yourself included, like we kind of we're listening to, you know, who they want to see on board or their you know, have I thought about this or what about this? And it's just been so amazing. And I think, you know, had you had thousands of people jump on it, then maybe you wouldn't be able to do that so much. So, you know, slow is steady. But I just think the internet makes you believe that only the quick quick wins are, that's what success is, overnight success. If you don't have that, why bother? And it's stifling, it's stopping people from doing things because they're nervous that they won't have that or they launch and they immediately see themselves as a failure because they haven't sold something out or they haven't got you know 10,000 people jump on it straight away all I can say is that the past three years every single female founder will agree it's not that easy 
in fact, I was interviewing the Spectrum founders for one of our members events, and they are now that business is multi, multi million pounds. It's a makeup brush business based in Cardiff, launched in 2014. And they're huge now. They've got it's a global company. They are absolutely smashing it. But they said they launched in the April of 2014 and they literally sold about 10 brushes between April and December 2014 to friends and family. And people kept saying to them, like, still doing your still doing your makeup brush business. And they were like, yep. And they're like, sold any more today? Nope. But you just grit your teeth and you just have to keep going. And it's that section there that's what puts people off launching a business. But it's that if you can ride through that bit, that's where the success is it's that resilience you just have to grit your teeth and if you believe in it just keep going it's so interesting and so valuable to hear that because I feel like you know there is this disconnect we see from the outside right even if we know rationally like oh you know it's 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 not kind of all what's the metaphor there unicorns and butterflies but from the outside there is this disconnect of like oh well you know and similar with your business Right. It, you could you can look at it and be like, she's built that audience over three years. She's got 20,000 followers on Instagram. And of course, this is going to be a, a massive success. And I think we are sold. And you kind of talked about this as well, this this warped version of success that everything directly translates. So, you know, if you have a large following on Instagram that directly translate, if you don't have a large following on Instagram, that means they can't be doing that well. And there is this very noisy marketplace of like six figures that 10k launch this and actually i feel like it sets the expectation to something that isn't necessarily realistic it's definitely possible but it isn't realistic for every single person at every single month at every single launch especially when the marketplace is getting so much busier and so much noisier and something you've really kind of had as a motto is like you know the, the tortoise is at the end of the race like baby steps do add up so within you know three three and a bit years in has that always been your philosophy Mm, yeah 100% I think for me what you were saying there the kind of the 10k launch or I've earned x amount this month etc etc it all to me there's nothing wrong with that at all if you know that firstly the habits that you've got to adopt to maintain that and sustain that are sustainable you want to adopt those habits for the long term they sit with you and normally it involves a lot of online presence like kind of showing up and changing a sort of the way you speak and it's all to me there's a there's definitely a tactic there that you know it doesn't take a genius to work out how that that kind of selling works and if that sits well with you by all means do it but my worry is that by bringing more and more people into that kind of selling. Not everyone, I think, has the personality to do that. And I don't necessarily think they want to do it. They see the kind of, you could earn six figures if you follow these steps. And that who wouldn't want to earn six figures, right? Money is security. Who doesn't want security? But my biggest issue with things like that is that it preys on vulnerability. And there's a lot of people that see the headline, but they somewhere in translation it gets lost that you have to adopt certain personality traits to get that and that is not sustainable for a lot of people and it also compromises a lot of values for certain people and with the tortoise thing for me and the jumping on trends is that 
so many things nowadays it's it's almost like we've lost somewhere that you can't have a business off of instagram and like instagram is the only version of success if you're smashing on instagram you're the best business owner and there's so there's so many businesses that exist off of instagram that are doing incredible things and i think there's there's echo chambers nowadays where i just see business owners trying to adopt certain tactics because they're told that that's what you have to do to get success and it normally is success on Instagram and I just think at what cost is your gut instinct saying that you actually need to do that to be successful is is your gut instinct saying that that's actually what you want to do and do you really trust that in 10 years time you're going to be happy with how you navigated that situation say and I just think there's this pressure where actually it boils down to like for me I just really think that sometimes we don't all have to just follow every single trend because someone says that that's what is the best way to run a business I think it just I would love to just get that message across that you just sometimes have to take a step back and just observe and you don't have to show up you can just observe and try and see through all of the different noise and if it's something that looks like it's working and you admire and then you know in your gut that it sits well with you morally it aligns with the values that your business stands for your business stands for not not just you like the brand that you're trying to build then by all means go for it but I just think the internet has this really funny way of making you think that like if if you follow every single step that so and so's done you'll get her success and i just think firstly you don't know if that success is real sometimes it really is but more often than not it's a cloudy thing and you don't know what that person has done to get there and and, and, and at what cost basically and also that whole don't be a sheep be a shepherd thing you suddenly have all of these businesses that blur into one because they're all doing the same thing and you just think what that defeats the point surely of a good business why would you want a business to just be a just another the same old brand like and I just I think with so much noise you kind of lose faith in your own instincts because there's this pressure that comes with on being online and I just would love all of us to just remember like how powerful intuition is because I just think like imagine how incredible the every brand would be you know, we were all doing our own bit and it was truly unique. And we're bringing all these ideas to the fore that didn't have to rely on people telling you what to do. Because that to me just goes back to like having a boss, like you're, you're a, you launch a business because there's, there's a sense of independence there. And you, you're, you were genuinely, to me, any business owner, you're gutsy and just remembering that and not getting lost along the way. I love that thought process because it is. I've, I found it, I think, first of all, in a lot of ways, the the typical, quote unquote, marketing strategies on Instagram very much sit with extroverts. And I think there's like this pressure of like, you know, you have to show up, you have to do this. But the flip side of it, I really worry is that it's almost this, it really taps into the fear of missing out. It's like, if you don't jump on reels, then you're not going to get the growth and then you can't be successful. And there's so many ways it's like, you know, there's so many roads to Rome, whatever that metaphor is, is that building a business doesn't have to look one certain way. Before we wrap things up, um, the last thing I kind of want to talk about is your mission with 
your benefits platform now is is bridging that gap. You said it between female founders' ambition and what current business structures fail to offer. So I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned there's 1.7 million self-employed women in the UK. How is it that business structures are, are kind of currently failing them? I think for me, the most blatant thing, if you work in a corporate you get a benefits package. You get the security of not just a monthly paycheck, but you also get your pension. You normally get health insurance. You get your free eye tests. You get gym memberships. You get a package to bolster you on top of that monthly thing to keep you in that job. And when you launch your own business, that instantly, not only do you lose your monthly paycheck, you lose all of that security. And like you said, if you've never had a corporate job, you're missing out on that extra security at a time where I personally think you are working harder than ever. And like I said earlier, you're putting your pride on the line. You're doing all of this to build this dream. And it takes guts and it takes so much resilience. And it, to me, it boils down to the fact that why isn't that supported? Without a kind of core benefits offering, female business owners are forced to spend time looking up things like pensions, for instance, we all know that we're time poor because we're running a business. And it means that you have to take some time out to do like the life admin of things like, you know, signing up for a pension or signing up for health insurance. And, you know, 22% of self-employed women have a pension. That's ridiculous. So another thing with the benefits that we've tried to do is just bring all of the kind of core things to the fore so that you don't have to spend all of this time. It's, It's there for you and to really bring it to your attention so you're more likely to you know look after yourself because ultimately it comes down to providing that security in the long run things like health insurance for instance we should be thinking about that because we keep saying health is wealth as a team but like if you if you're not looking after yourself your business is less likely to succeed so it's all of these things and they just kind of level up and then also the the final point in terms of the rewards is the fact that again until you are financially secure you just don't treat yourself and it, and it comes at a time where you deserve like all of those little wins on route how many times have I interviewed someone where they say god celebrate like celebrating the wins on route so much easier said than done you just kind of have those wins and you're like yeah on to the next thing because there's this giant to-do list at hand when actually we deserve all of those little treats along the way but sometimes when you're chucking everything back into the business you can't afford it so for me there's also this let's get all of the lifestyle stuff on board to support the woman first and foremost and let her know that you know, if she's had an amazing win, she could just jump on and just treat herself and it doesn't have to cost as much because she's she's earned that discount because she's working bloody hard, but then she doesn't have to feel as guilty because it's slightly cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many different bits basically, but it boils down to the fact that the current landscape, there is nothing that is consistent. You can get ad hoc offers here and there, but we've brought it all together and we've also done not just not just the benefits there's a whole lot of lifestyle fashion beauty parenthood well-being rewards to support the woman as well so it's the kind of keeping it in silos it's just the platform just tries to support female business owners in every aspect of their life 
It's a great platform and very, very affordable. To wrap things up, rapid fire edition, I like to ask five questions. And the first one is, what book changed your life or shifted your mindset? I read To Obama with Love, Hope, Hate and Despair earlier this year. And it's basically all the letters that Obama received during his presidency. He read 10 a day every day of his presidency. And some were obviously really supportive and some were really, really critical. And I just found it, I to me, I don't read like the kind of girl boss books. You know, people say, have you read this book? And I'm always like, no, um, I'm awful. Um, but I read books from leaders I genuinely admire. And that book to me just reminded me that firstly, there's always time to respond and listen to everyone no matter who you are no one is too important to not listen to criticism and feedback and I thought that was really incredible like the way he responded to criticism sometimes he took on board and it changed things sometimes he stood up for it and wasn't was happy to challenge and go back to the people that were written in saying he was the worst guy ever and say actually I've done xyz you're never going to please everyone you're just doing your best I read it as as per your recommendation and, you? and really enjoyed it. Yeah. What are your sources of strength and or inspiration? Cliche, but it's really true. Every day I'm speaking to other female business owners and every day I'm reminded that it's bloody hard work. So that keeps me going. Like I could, every time I have a low day and bloody hell this year's chucked a few my way, but the women that I've interviewed, what they've opened up to me about, it puts it in perspective, just how hard some people have had it. So if they can get through that, I can get through this 100%. So what is your secret to success? Trusting my gut, looking after myself, listening to myself 100%. I think I've got quite a good relationship with me. And even on when you have a wobble or like an anxious day, there's something deep down that's telling me that like I've push myself out of my comfort zone on more than one occasion and I can handle it. What, and it's just that, just trusting myself. This too shall pass. And following on from that, what is your definition of success? I think it is, you define your goals. And as long as they're goals that align with you, achieving those, that's success. And lastly, what advice would you have liked to hear when you started to live your life a little differently? That could be beginning of 2020. That could be when you were in that Boston conference room. Uh, it's really practical, really boring advice, I'm afraid. Finances, get them in sorted. Open a business account straight away. Don't use your personal bank. And just yeah, carve out some time to just keep on top of boring, mundane business admin. So, so important, though. If people want to find out more about you, where can they find you and where can they find your absolutely wonderful platform, which is the first and only benefits program in the UK, might I add? Can I just hire you to be like the ad girl? <laughs> <laughs> she can, she did.com, Julia, um, or at she can, she did. Perfect. And I'll link everything in the show notes. Well, thank you so, so much. I enjoyed our chat. Honestly, Julia, it's been so lovely. Thank you so much for having me. If this is your first time listening to the Modern Day Rebels podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. It's free and means you will receive new episodes right as they come out. Please do share episodes you love and that inspire you with your friends, family, and colleagues because the only way to tackle taboos is to talk more about the things we're not supposed to talk about. If you want to take a deeper dive into the topics we explore and talk about in this podcast, you can subscribe to my bi-weekly newsletter. The link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and spending time with me. I truly appreciate it. Hope you're staying safe and see you next time.